I'm going to read from the Bible now, uh, two readings, the first from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And our second reading from Revelation chapter 3. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say... I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Um, I appreciate Justin coming and sharing with us as our senior minister. And uh, I guess before we reflect on that passage or those passages that Naomi just read for us, um, uh, certainly our um, hearts have been wrung this week as we um, have sort of processed future options and um, directions to go, but uh, we feel like we, we do have a sense of peace that um, this will be a direction that will um, bring glory to our God, and uh, we have a confidence that um, that the community here will continue to uh, grow as a loving, Jesus-centered family. Um, but we value your prayers, and uh, we thank you for praying for us, even this afternoon. We are here for the rest of the year, though, so um, we uh, will still be hopefully sharing many weeks. And for those of you who um, probably would not come to church on the 30th of January, come along. Let's do it one last time. So. Um, 
That's often a pretty light on week, but that's a good reason to come. Uh, 30th of December, sorry, Justin. 30th of December. Come along, share the last Sunday of the year together. But for now, for now, uh, we have, as Sam alluded, arrived in the season of Advent. Welcome. Advent refers to the weeks that are leading up to Christmas, um, where traditionally uh, Christians have reflected upon the return of Jesus prior to celebrating his birth. Um, here in the parish of Church Hill, we've decided to focus both on his birth and his return in these coming weeks as we prepare our hearts for Christmas. Uh, to guide us in this, we are meditating upon one of the lines from a famous Christmas carol, one that I'm sure you'll hear plenty of times playing in Woolworths or Coles, or perhaps now or in December, it may be on rotation at home. The carol begins with these words, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Uh, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Um, the carol Joy to the World was written in 1719 by Isaac Watts. Uh, Isaac Watts was a church minister in England, um, but he was also recognized as a hymn writer, theologian, and he wrote texts on exploring the philosophy of logic. Um, and I just love old school CVs. They've just, they always have great CVs hymn writer, theologian, and is it a logician? What's, what's a logic's philosophy, but you know. He's credited with writing 750 hymns. Uh, Joy to the World was released in a collection of hymns that tried to capture the overarching narrative of the Bible. Um, in other words, how the New Testament, and particularly Jesus, makes sense of the Old Testament. Joy to the World was released in a collection entitled The Psalms of David, imitated in the language of the New Testament and applied to the Christian state and worship. How about that for an album title? As it turns out, um, many Christmas, early Christmas carols were not written to sell albums, but to help us understand the message of the Bible. Um, during the week, I scanned what new Christmas songs have been released over the last decade or so, and so I got to listen to a whole bunch of uh, Yuletide Joy. One of them released, uh, I think it was 2016. Um, it's been done by a few artists. I think it could have been a bit older than that. Particularly catchy, it's called Christmas Don't Be Late. You may have heard it, you may like it. The opening verse says this, Christmas, Christmas, time is near. Time for toys, time for cheer. I've been good but I can't last. Hurry Christmas, hurry fast. I want a plane that loops the loop and I want a hula hoop. I can hardly stand the wait. Oh, please, Christmas, don't be late. That was released in 2016. In 1719, Isaac Watts was writing his Christmas carol and he penned the words, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Now, I for one hate it when Christians act as killjoys and they shut down any potential for fun and joy. And as such, I'm not condemning the more recent Christmas songs. I think they have captured the spirit of our age. 
uh, a spirit that is marked by end-of-year celebrations, food, presents, children's stories about Santa. Yesterday, Naomi and I put up our Christmas tree, and uh, we put on a whole playlist of carols. We had some wine. We watched the 2009 animated remake of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, and Jim Carrey is an excellent Ebenezer Scrooge. I'm pretty sure this Christmas we're also going to tick off the movies Love Actually, Elf, and the all-time boyhood Christmas classic Die Hard, because remember, it all happened on Christmas Eve. But we may lose out if this is all we do with Christmas, for there's a depth of this time of year that is really good for our souls, if only we have the courage to go there. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. And so in each Sunday in December, we're unpacking each word in the phrase, let every heart prepare him room. And as we begin our December, how about um, I pray for us that God may actually lead our hearts this December in the, guy, in the way up to Christmas. So let me pray. Uh, our dear Lord and loving Heavenly Father, may our hearts prepare room for you this Christmas. Uh, please give us true insight to understand what this means for each one of us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the verb let means to allow or to permit. Uh, to allow to pass. Let every heart prepare him room. I wonder what it might look like to allow space for God in your life uh, right now. As Isaac Watts wrote this particular line, he no doubt had in mind the birth narrative of Jesus. Um, Luke chapter 2 records that Jesus was born in a manger because... 2 verse 7, there was no guest room available for them. It's interesting that even at Jesus' birth, there was no room for him. Born in the section of the house, designated for animals, laid in a feeding trough, the birth narrative of Jesus is pretty undignified. But Isaac Watts used this historical reality and flipped it into a personal challenge. Let every heart prepare him room. To let means to allow. Uh, there's a two-way interaction taking place here. One of the ways it appears God works, both in the accounts of the Bible and also in lives today, is that he is invitational. He doesn't force. For some, this is the evidence that he doesn't exist. Perhaps we may prefer a forceful God who imposes himself on our every move. Um, it would be more oppressive, but at least we'd know he's real. It doesn't seem to be the way that God operates. When Jesus told the parable of the great banquet, he found going out giving invitations. Invitations that were open to be accepted or rejected. In our Revelation reading today, Jesus himself is recorded as saying, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. 
If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Let every heart prepare him room is an invitation that you can accept or reject. But either way, you bear agency in that decision. Of course, God is um, a complex being, I guess, that is completely beyond our total comprehension. And so when we start this journey of listening and following Jesus, it often takes unexpected twists and turns. Um, I remember back when I was finishing high school, um, I was a genuine Christian. Um, it, it gave shape and direction to my life. Um, I distinctly remember a moment of realization that I had nothing else to learn about following Jesus or Christianity. Um, I wasn't trying to be arrogant. I just held an honest belief that I knew everything there was to know about Christian faith and the Bible. There was almost like a naive peacefulness about it, or there was a youthful arrogance, one of the two. It felt good, though. But what we learn on this journey is that to allow room for God in our lives is a lifelong project that is far grander than we could have ever first imagined. And God's plan is to use our life journey in his story. C.S. Lewis captured the experience when he wrote these words in Mere Christianity. Uh, he said, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. You see, allow him in. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drain, drains right, he's stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. And you knew that these jobs needed doing and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that He's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting up an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. So perhaps the phrase allowing space for God in my life isn't really the best way to put it. For God is not merely a lodger who we put in a spare room of our life. He is the creator. He's given us life and secured life for us eternally through his son, Jesus. So perhaps we don't allow him space. Rather, we allow him to take the rightful place of God over our lives and in our lives and then begin a beautiful renovation. I think this is what the passage in Revelation 3 is all about. You see, here the Apostle John is writing to churches in the area, giving them encouragements and warnings. And as he writes to the church in Laodicea, he has a concern for them. And he writes these words. He says, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. But 
You don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. It appears that this lukewarm approach to faith could also be described as a view that says, um, I'll find a space for God in my life. I'll find a space. I'll allow him into that room of my life, but not in every room. I'll allow God to impact my emotions on Sunday, but not when I'm trying to close that deal at work. Um, I'll allow God to enter my mind at midweek community group, but perhaps not when I'm relaxing after work and want to blow off some steam. Um, I'll allow God to shape my understanding of what is wrong and what is right, but only to the extent that it doesn't conflict with any of my own preconceived ideas. I'll allow a space for God in my life. I'll find a space. I'll allow him into that room of my life, but not every room. And this is what the Apostle John describes as neither hot nor cold. And his warning is that it's actually no approach at all. And if you think about it, hot and cold is very recognizable. You know, I know if something's hot. I know if something's cold. And I think that's the point of John here in this text. Lukewarm is kind of tepid. It's sort of in between. It's hard to identify. When we allow God into one room of our life, but not others, it can be hard to tell who we actually are. It's hard to tell if Jesus is Lord of our life. Because in reality, he may actually have so little impact. As it turns out, the simple line, let every heart prepare him room, becomes quite confronting and challenging. But Jesus says in verse 20 of Revelation 3, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You see, when he came to us, we had no room. But even with that being the case, his generosity and grace drives God to invite those who rejected him into a transformational relationship with him now. As Romans 5 says, it was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. So I wonder, what would it look like for for you to take agency in your own Christian life. Uh, To allow God to be God, to allow Jesus to be your Lord, to allow your own life direction to be set by his word. Let every heart prepare him room. Um, Advent is a season to be challenged with the character of God as seen in his presence amongst us and his return to make all things new. Advent is a season to accept the invitation which God extends. Not just an invitation to kind of know something about him, but as Jesus says in Revelation 3, it's an invitation for him to come eat with you. And in other words, it's an invitation to allow the Lord of all, the risen Jesus, 
to be your Lord, renovating um, your own sense of self now as a child of God, knocking down old habits and building new ones that slowly over time lead you to know and love God more and others. Shifting our our thinking and our hearts and being able to sing with an honest spirit. Joy to the world because the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. So I want to pray for us this afternoon, really as we enter this season Um, that we may be open. Um, As Joey said, you know, even that we might hear these these hints of God's kingdom entering our world through carols and whatnot, and that we may let our hearts and minds drift towards the grace of God and what he has done for us. So I'm going to lead us in a short prayer now, and then as Sam said earlier, there's a, we haven't done it for a little while, but it's like a QA. and a a chance for any comments or really um, questions or comments um, that you may have even just on these passages or any thoughts that you want to share. So let me pray for us and then we'll spend time in that. Um, Our dear Lord and loving Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for who you are. (laughs) Lord, we thank you that you give us life that your word gives us clear direction and shape to what that life can look like when we just trust in you. And Lord, I pray for each one of us this afternoon that we may give you the rightful place and have the rightful voice in our life, that we may receive from you uh, your grace and forgiveness And that through that whole experience, we may continue to allow you to renovate our hearts and minds and our actions, that we may be a blessing to this city, to our friends and our work colleagues, uh, not just with our actions, but also with our words. And so we ask that you will guide us in this through the power of your spirit, uh, both today and in these coming weeks. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.